welcome to another wonderful episode of the American Idiot Podcast with your host, the one, the only, the rebellious, the rebel rousing, the American Idiot. Hey guys, like I told you last week, well not actually last week, earlier this week, that originally I was going to be talking about the filibuster and the reconciliation process having to do with the Senate. And this is especially having to do with, now that the Democrats are in control of all three branches of uh, the government, they have started pushing for getting rid of the filibuster. And you might have been sitting there, you might have been thinking, what's the importance of the filibuster? What is so important about that In uh, that exactly? We're going to get into that. And you might be thinking, well, what's the reconciliation process? Before we get to that, what I think I'm going to actually do is I'm going to break this down into two different episodes. I might not be able to get to the other one until tomorrow. I might get onto it later. Like I said, I still got to talk with Ray Harris Jr. about coming on since he was going to talk about the Nazis and their and how they controlled freedom of speech. <clears throat> but so we're going to be talking about the filibuster, its importance in politics for today. And then next, uh, either next, if we don't talk to Ray Harris Jr., I'm going to be bringing up recon- the reconciliation process. And we're going to be basically talking about how they both basically have to do with the filibuster, how they have to do with the Democrats getting their way through the Senate. Now, I exact, I originally brought this up. Because, as I had said in my first episode, this was supposed to be a podcast that looks at history, pulls from history, and applies it to today. For instance, why I brought up the Nazis and socialism. Why I brought up the SA and the SS. And how, if you look at it, you could basically see the SS and the SA in Antifa and the BLM Incorporated. That's why I brought up about the media and Nazis. And that one of the things about socialism is controlling the flow of information. Well, so I kind of got away from that. Like, as you know, I had that whole span of time where I had no podcast. I didn't put out any podcast. Uh, the storm hit. It had been for a while. And then I came back with a bang talking about Texas, uh, talking about the Texas and masks, relieving us of our masks and everything. Give me a minute. Like I said, I'm having uh, phone problems throughout some of this. But so we're, we're going to talk about that. I wanted to get back to this podcast being about looking at history and applying it to our society today. And I'm going to tell you basically why, why is this so important to me. I'm going to tell you a little little story from when I was in high school. I didn't mean to do this. I didn't mean for this to be that long, but I'm going to do it anyways because this is my podcast. When I was in, I believe it was junior and my junior year or my senior year of high school, our English teacher basically had us made make a coat of arms for our family. And it's basically, you know, a coat of arms basically 
something that you have. It's like a basically a saying that your family has. Something it had to do a lot with uh, old families in England. They would have their coat of arms. It would be a shield that had an animal that represented their family. You can think of Game of Thrones. Um, uh, the Starks. It was the the dire wolf. Uh, the Targaryens was the dragons. Lannister was the lion. Um, Tyrell. Basically, that 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 is base. That's what I mean when I say coat of arms. And it would have a saying. Well, so when I made mine, my saying for my family was, "Books are the key to the future." Something along those lines. I can't remember because that has that was. 12 years ago. But the reason I made it that is because without those books, without history books, we cannot look back in history and see what happened in Nazi Germany and see how it's taking place today. We would not be able to look back at Greece and see all of the great things that our country took from them. So that's why I wanted to focus on that's why I wanted to focus on history and politics and combine them because politics is really nothing but history. I mean, how long have they how long have the liberals and the democrats been trying to take our second amendment right? It didn't just start under Trump. They were trying to take them. They were trying to push uh, stricter gun control back in the 80s. Uh, they talk about the the automatic weapons ban of 86. So that's why I wanted to talk about this because I know when I was listening, before I actually deep-dived into this, I was like, okay, I mean, I know basically the filibuster means that you hold the floor by talking. You hold the floor by doing something so that a certain bill cannot be voted on. There are going to be some brief pauses here and there because I'm also eating. So just bear with me through it. I'm hungry, guys. I've been working all day. Barely had a break. This fat idiot's hungry. I'm going to get some food in my stomach and I'm going to talk to you while I do it. But... There is a lot more to the filibuster and even reconciliation than that I did not understand. And I know if I didn't know it as much deeply as I've gone into politics, as important as the filibuster is about to become, has become, with Manchin and Cinema basically talking about that they will not kill the filibuster, but that Joe Bi or that uh, Joe Manchin is saying, you know, I will be, I, I'm happy to uh, push the talking filibuster. You're like, well, what's the talking filibuster? What's the filibuster? We'll get into all of that. Just like as a lot of the articles that I looked at, they kept on talking about the nuclear option, how Harry Reid used the nuclear option in 2013, how uh, Mitch McConnell used the nuclear option. And you're like, well, what's the nuclear option? We will get into all of that. That is why this – that is why I wanted to do this podcast is because there is so much that we need to know here that I do not think people actually know. And that if we understood it, I think it would help us so much better in looking at our politicians, asking them questions. So, let's get into it now.
And the very first question, what is the filibuster? Well, the definition for it is informal term for an attempt, any attempt to block or deny Senate action on a bill or other matter by debating it at length, by offering numerous procedural motions, or by any other delay or obstructive action. So basically, long, that's a long definition. Basically what it means is a filibuster is anything that is done by someone to stop action on a bill. Anything done. Now, most often, what it is, is that you can think of the clouder, clouder rule, which means that there has to be a supermajority of 60 votes for anything to pass. Well, so, when you get to a close Senate like we have, where Kamala Harris is the deciding factor, you have 50 on one side and 50 on the other side, this is when the filibuster becomes nominal. This is when it becomes of its best impact. Because it means that you have to have... <coughs> excuse me. You have to have bipartisan uh, support on all of the major bills. This is, when you, this is when it becomes important, is when you have those straight-down-the-middle Senate committees, straight-down-the-middle, 50-50, and the, uh, the president of the Senate becomes that uh, deciding factor. And so we need to start off with a history of the filibuster. And why? Because we even have... Uh, senators that are in the Senate right now that don't know when it started. And I might be taking them out of context, but I was just listening to Charlie Kirk, and he played a, uh, he played a video of Senator Mitch McConnell, M Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, talking about the filibuster and saying that it had uh, someone had basically brought up how Obama and now Joe Biden and uh, Elizabeth Warren all have basically said that the filibuster is uh, racist, and then it basically came about in Joe and uh, the Jim Jim Crow era, and we'll get into that point. But Mitch McConnell said that it had been around before the Jim Crow era, and he basically he the I believe his exact words were that the filibuster had been around since the beginning of the Senate. Now, if my understanding of him is correct, he's basically saying that the filibuster had been around since the Constitution was built, since our uh, tri-branch government was built, and that's not the case. Now, was there something like it? Yes, there was. And it is actually still in force in the House. But what was there before the filibuster for the Senate was what is called the previous question motion. And basically what that is, is when only a majority vote was needed to end a debate. The House kept the rule. So the House still has the previous question motion. But back in 1806, when Vice President Burr was looking over things, he found for the Senate that they did not use the previous question motion all that often. And so he came before Senate because at that time he would have been the president of the Senate. And he said, hey, guys, we do not use the previous question motion all that often. I would like to get rid of it. And that is when the filibuster became that the filibuster became the replacement for the previous question motion in the Senate.
it came about in 1806. So it, didn't, it was not around since the beginning. And I'm not faulting uh, Senator, uh, Mitch, uh, uh, Senator McConnell for saying that. He might have meant something. I might have misunderstood him. He might have been saying something completely different. But that is how I took it. And I just wanted to get that, get that out there. Everything I've looked at, everything I've listened to, because I even picked up listening to two different uh, podcasts that both basically talk about how the filibuster was uh, produced or be created in 1806. So it came about in 1806. It had been around since then. Now, we will get there, but it was used in the Jim Crow era by a Democrat who then became a Republican named uh, Strom Thurmond. And he was using it to try to block uh, civil rights uh, legislation. So it was used by... And they'll say Republican. He started off as a Democrat, and then he became a Republican. And that basically leads them to talking about how in the 1960s, the, uh, the parties switched. The Republicans became the racists that they are today, and the Democrats became the anti-racists that they are today, which is not the case. One Democrat switched and became a Republican, but as they love to do so often today... That did not mean that the entire Demo or Republican Party became racist and that the entire Democrat Party became anti-racist. That's just not the case. So, even though the filibuster was created in 1806, the first one did not occur until 1837. Fewer than two dozen filibusters were enacted in the 19th century. So 19th century, uh, you should understand this, but basically the 19th century is talking about the 18th century. 20th century is talking about the 19th century. We're in the 21st century, in the 2000s. So, basically once it hits 22,000, or basically once it hits 21, that'll be the 22nd century. But so, the 19th century, it was not used very much throughout the 19th century. So, during that time, the Senate operated by majority rule. Basically, that means that the way we think it happens most is that whoever had the majority of the votes, basically whatever they were doing, it got passed. So if they were for a law, it got passed. If they were against a law, it didn't get passed. So that basically is how it was up until 1837 when the first filibuster was used. And even throughout all the way up until 1917, it was like that. The filibuster was not used much. Throughout a lot of my studies, a lot of people basically had talked about that back during this time, the filibuster was not used much because it was basically that uh, last-ditch effort. You would use it to basically because you had major problems with something. And you wanted to air those out. That is why the filibuster is so important. Is because it gives the majority. It forces the majority. To have to listen. To the minority. Air out their problems with something. And you know. It has been used. 
in its manner by both parties. The Democrats, when they were in when they were in the minority party under Trump, they would use the filibuster and they would use it to air out their grievances. They would use it to try to do whatever they could to get their what they wanted passed. Under the Obama administration, the Republicans used it. Uh, much of the uh, more liberal uh, articles that I looked at, they hailed Mitch McConnell at being superb at using the filibuster under the Obama administration. So it's been used by both parties. Now, this is one thing that I fault Trump for. Trump had asked Mitch McConnell to end the filibuster, and Mitch McConnell said he would not. And then you have to think of it this way. Like right now, if the Democrats do get rid of the filibuster, which they most likely will not, there's another way they're going to go, like I said, the nuclear option. But if they were to get rid of the filibuster, once they lose power, which they most likely will at some point, they have just shot themselves in the foot because now they have silenced themselves as the minority. And as the minority, they will have no power if they get overpowered by Republicans. They will no longer have that power of the filibuster. So I talked about couch, uh, cloture. Cloture was adopted as a rule, as Rule 22 in 1917. It used to require a two-thirds majority vote. So that's basically cloture means uh, someone has been filibustering. The uh, cloture movement is when they ask for uh, the filibuster to end. The cloture has to have 60 members has to have 60 members or 60 votes to end the filibuster. If there isn't that, it's out. <coughs> so that is cloture. As I said, it was adopted as a rule in 1917. It used to require a two-thirds majority vote, which was basically 66.6666667. So if you remember from math, if you have a number that repeats itself like 66.666667, you basically are just going to put 66.6, and then you'll put a little squiggly over it, basically showing that it's a repeating number. So basically... For, uh, it used to take 66 members for the, for the cloture rule, but in 1975, uh, it was reduced to three-fifths. So two-thirds is 66, three-fifths is 60. So they basically said, you know, we only want to have to – they basically made it where now only six – they only need 60. They lost uh, having to have six votes. Okay, so by the Carter administration, which this is Jimmy Carter, so in the – he was before Reagan, I believe, so that should be early 80s, early 80s or 70s, late 70s. By the Carter administration, the figure was up to 20 filibusters per year, 20 filibusters per year. Think of that. There had been none to there having been 20, and you know it's just gone up since then. So moving it from 66 to 60 has had a very big impact on the use of the filibuster. Uh, and if you want to, one of the sources that I use is from NPR. It is called, the article is, what is the filibuster and why do some Democrats want to end it? And they have a pie chart on here that shows the use 
of uh, of the filibuster. And it goes from 77 all the way up to 13 and 14 when this came out. Or basically, this would be 2016, but still, it goes up to 14. And as you look at it, it's like 77 to 78. Uh, Republicans used the filibuster 23 and uh, 30 times in 77 and 78 under Carter. Under Reagan in 81 and 82, the Democrats used it 31 times. 83 and 84, the Re Democrats used it 41 times. And in 85 and 86, the Democrats used it 41 times again. 87 and 88, Republicans used it 54 times. So this is 80s. Now you get over to uh, basically 95, 96, Democrats used it 82 times. You get to 97, 98, Democrats used it 69 and 71 times. And then basically in 2001 and 2002, you see that it was basically a split. It was used uh, 71 times which is a mixture of both Republicans and Democrats. And then it's once you get up to like 2008, 2009, like the end of Bush, starting of Obama, you see that it hits 139, 137, 115. In 13 and 14, the Democrats or the Republicans used it 253 times under the Obama administration. And that is why they were sitting there and they were hailing uh, Mitch McConnell Basically, you could say, as the master of the filibuster, he used it supremely. He used it superbly to control what was going on in the Senate. And that's one thing you have to understand about the Senate, is that the majority leader in the Senate controls what is basically looked at, what is voted on, what makes it to the floor in the Senate. So this goes back to... Uh, Mitch McConnell and the first time that they were talking about the $2,000 stimulus package. Why didn't they make it to the floor? Because Mitch McConnell didn't let it. And that is why you saw a lot of Democrats that were sitting there in late December that were pushing for that 2000 is because they wanted to flip it on the Republicans and make it look like the Republicans were not for, were not for the $2,000 stimulus check to to overset the balance of the January 5th election, uh, runoff elections in Georgia, which it worked masterfully there. But so it's like that. And then just like in the House of Representatives, the Speaker of the House controls what happens and what doesn't happen, what's voted on and what isn't voted on. But let's get back. So... Originally, filibusters were a strategy only utilized for the most important issues of the day. At the beginning of its conception, senators left the act of ending a filibuster up to the senator speaking. So this is basically what Joe Manchin talked about as the talking filibuster. Is that at that time, basically, the senator that was filibustering would talk and talk. Once he was done talking, they would vote. So he wants to take it back to that. The way he put it is that he wants to make it uh, more punishing to use the filibuster. Therefore, the senator would speak until he, she felt heard. The Senate eventually adopted the cloture vote, a procedure used to end a filibuster and force a vote. Cloture is presented by the majority leader with the support of 16 senators. With a vote of three-fifths of the Senate, debate would end 
and the issue at hand would be brought under consideration. The filibusters were not a part of the original design of the U.S. Senate, rather a development of mid-19th century. The 60-vote majority requirement is designed to encourage great compromise. This is what Mitch McConnell would also say, what others talked about, is that it was meant to force compromise. That's why it's a supermajority. It's because normally to get that 60, unless you just have an overwhelming uh, uh, support in the Senate, you're not going to be able to uh, bust a filibuster without bipartisan support. So that pushes for compromise on the most complex issues going through the Senate. Due to ever-growing strict partisanship, this 60-vote majority has become necessary for nearly all contentious legislation. That phrase right there is exactly a big part of the reason Democrats are thinking about ending the filibuster right now. Is because if they want to get rid of the Second Amendment, they're going to have to get through the filibuster. If they get rid of the filibuster, that basically means they need a basic, uh, a, like 51. If they get rid of the filibuster, you only need 51 votes, and you can throw out the Second Amendment. You can throw out the First Amendment. You can give D.C. and Puerto Rico stateship, giving them, they think, and at the most, four more senators. They could uh, pack the court. They could pack the Supreme Court. That is why it is so important to them that they get rid of it, because that, with that out of the way, they can basically take over and have control of the government and make this a one-state country for centuries to come. The filibuster has greatly evolved since its conception. Past reforms have included the creation of the cloture, as described above, and changing the thresholds to invoke cloture and end the filibuster. Today, it is 60 votes. Under former Majority Leader Harry Reid, the Senate rules were changed, lowering the threshold to 51 for all executive branch nominees, including the cabinet. And judicial nominees accept those nominated to the Supreme Court. In 2017, Majority Leader Mitch McConnell extended the 51-vote threshold to Supreme Court nominees. Elimination of the legislator, legislative filibuster would present its own set of concerns. Without the filibuster, it would be relatively easy for a simple majority to bring partisan solutions to fruition. And so that, that is why that part there is so important. Again, it would be relatively easy for a simple majority to bring partisan solutions to fruition. Basically, that means right now, if you vote down party lines, like on the Second Amendment, if you vote, if all of the Republicans vote against the second, getting rid of the Second Amendment and all of the Democrats vote for getting rid of the Second Amendment, it would be gotten rid of because they ha technically have 51 to 50 because Kamala Harris is that deciding factor. Now, when it talks about Senator Harry Reid and Senator Mitch McConnell, that's where they get to talking about what is called the nuclear option. And you're sitting there and you're like, okay, well, what's the nuclear option? Basically, the nuclear option is called that, and I'm, I have some things down here. I'm going to say it the best that I can. Let me find it. 
Okay. So this is this is from that one I talked about already. What is the filibuster and why do some Democrats want to end it? So they, uh, Bernie Sanders was talking. Uh, Senator Warren had wanted to get rid of the had wanted to get rid of the filibuster altogether. But what Senator Sanders was for, basically, he suggested existing parliamentary tactics to get bills through Congress without being filibustered. What does that mean? Basically, there is a parliamentary process. So basically, if they wanted to get rid of the filibuster, they would have to have uh, two-thirds, a two-thirds majority to change uh, basically Rule 22 which is the cloture rule, meaning that they would have to have less than 50 people. However, what they can do is they can do something which is called changing president. That's what uh, Harry Reid did in 2013. That is what Mitch McConnell did in 2017. But they have never really gotten rid of the filibuster because that would be too hard. What they can do instead is change president. What does that mean? How does it happen? Basically, if you change the president on something, and we'll put it this way. Let's say... That they are talking about uh, just basically the Second Amendment, doing away with the Second Amendment, uh, and Kamala Harris is presiding. Or basically, let's say, you know, they're talking about because Biden wants more, uh, basically wants another budget bill. I think it's like four million, four billion now, something like that, three billion, three, uh, three trillion. Basically, that's where the uh, reconciliation process comes in, and that's where something called Bird's Law comes in. Basically, when it comes to reconciliation, Bird's Law says that it can only uh, – the reconciliation process cannot have any uh, excretory or anything extra. It has, to have to do, it has to do exactly with the budget and basically uh, combining – or leveling out, making an agreement between the the budget and what's uh, what is being uh, put forth. So let's say that uh, excuse me. Let's say that they're sitting there and for the next four trillion that they want to put in an amendment to the four trillion that says, you know, that as part of that, if it gets passed, the Second Amendment will no longer exist. Well, there's a person that is called, uh, called basically that's a parliamentarian, uh, and basically they would she the whole part the whole reason she is there because it's a she right now is that when the real reconciliation process is going on, she says you know hey uh, to the chair which would be Chuck Schumer right now uh, Chair Schumer uh, this amendment that has been put has been put forth. Uh, does not fall within Burr's law. It cannot be uh, part of the reconciliation process. So she is there to basically make sure that Burr's law is not broken. At that point, Chuck Schumer has two actions that he can do. And he can either say, you know, I agree with the parliamentarian, or he can say, you know, I appeal the parliamentarian, at which point uh, he would basically have to have a... Major, a simple majority, or 51, he would have to have 51 senators with him that basically uh, vote that his appeal is effective. 
And if they do that, basically that changes the president. So that is the nuclear option. So basically what they're saying is basically if they put forth something for the Second Amendment uh, and someone is trying to filibuster or they're trying to use the cloture agreement, Chuck Schumer basically calls for uh, calls for the cloture to be taken part. Uh, Senator can stand up and say, uh, Mr. Chair, uh, you you do know that for cloture, there only has to be a majority of 52 senators. Well, of course, Chuck Schumer would have to say no. The law states that it's 60. And that is the nuclear option. Basically, they are voting uh, against what the chair has just stated. They are basically – they're voting to break their own rules. So at that point, he would basically say, you know, uh, like all in favor of my – all of those that are in favor of my appeal – They'd raise their hands. All those that are not in favor of my appeal, as long as he gets 52 people there, as long as that takes place, as long as he gets that simple majority, the rule isn't changed, but the president for the rule is changed. So if they basically that's the nuclear option, if they want to, they can change the president, the precedent, which means how the law is enacted. They don't change the law. They just change how it's enacted. So basically, that's the nuclear option. So if they sit there and they do that, they don't have to change the filibuster law. They are changing the president of how it is used. So they would effectively get rid of the filibuster by saying you don't have to have 60 people. You have to have a simple majority. If they do that, they can push through gun control. They can push through D.C. and Puerto Rico. They can push through packing the, uh, packing the Supreme Court. So that is that right there. That is the main gist of the filibuster. That is why it is so important, because it is that simple to just change the president. But if they change that president, as I'd said, they now have to deal with if they do lose in 2022, which there's a high probability that they will. Changing that president now means that when Republicans come back and they want to disavow the ending of the Second Amendment, the Republicans would only need 20, would only need 52 votes, 52 votes to enact it. Or if it was in a different circumstance, all they would have to do is change the president's precedent of how the filibuster is enacted. They've done it before. Basically, that is why Mitch McConnell was hailed as basically being the master of the filibuster under the Obama administration. It's that he blocked a lot of stuff from happening because of the simple fact that he used that filibuster effectively. He used it basically properly. So real quick. I want to go over one of my articles. I might get to the rest later. Uh, Apple News had one that basically talks about Senator Mitch McConnell. So this is back when the Senate was looking over the 1.9 trillion 
COVID relief package. Just to give you an understanding. Then there is the $1.9 trillion partisan spending spree he calls COVID-19 relief. This is talking about... Um, Senator Yarmuth, who I also believe is a is a senator from Kentucky. I might be wrong on that. You know, let me go look at it. Okay, so I'm not seeing it in here, unfortunately, but I do believe, I do believe that Senator Yarmouth is from Kentucky as well. So let's get back. I'll, I'll look at it later and I'll get back to you on it. But basically, so talking about Yarmouth, Mitch McConnell said less than 9% of the funds support the health care fight and 1% goes to vaccines. Yarmouth even admitted it, admitted it was stuffed with waste. So basically what he starts off with saying is that the the COVID relief that they just passed the $1.9 trillion, only 9% of it was funds to support for actual COVID relief. Basically, that was like the 1400 that we got, the 14 that you got per person as the stimulus care. 1% goes to vaccines. The rest of that, basically the 90%, was other stuff, bailing out, uh, bailing out blue states, doing this, this, and that. They're all special interests. Yarmouth also thinks he knows the Senate, even if he never had the gumption to challenge me. The Senate stands as a firewall against heated passions and short-term electoral changes. Rules like the filibuster, which requires 60 votes to advance most legislation, exist to block bad ideas from becoming law and to encourage bipartisan solutions. So as I had said, Mitch McConnell comes out straight and says, look, the Senate was not built to be a, uh, a quick and done uh, body. It was built to be a what's the word? To be a thorough body. To take its time. To mull it over. To look things over. To look at everything. Make adjustments to something to make it good law. Rules like the filibuster are that's why they're in the Senate. The design also stabilizes national policy from swinging with every shift of the political winds. The legislative filibuster is, is the essence of the Senate. So while Yarmouth calls the filibuster a minority veto, it's really Kentucky's veto. The filibuster stops radical schemes like the Green New Deal and socialized health care that would devastate the bluegrass state. It protects Jeffersontown, Kentucky and Shively, Kentucky from being steamrolled by Brooklyn and San Francisco. Last year, the voters rehired me to use Kentucky's veto and protect our values. 
The 60-vote threshold is the only re only reason must pass bills like appropriations, deals, defense authorizations, or farm bills have any bipartisan buy-in where there isn't divided government. It's why even with Democrats in the majority, I and therefore Kentucky get a big seat at the table. That's basically why he why he talked about it being the minority veto. Is because it gives basically the small states or it gives the the majority the minority party uh, somewhere to sit at the table. It gives them a chance to air out their grievances, and it also gives them a chance to talk to their other peers and possibly change their mind about what they're thinking. Which is why Joe Manchin is so is so important. Is that he said he's not going to bust the filibuster? Why uh, Kristen Cinema is important? See, as she said, she's not going to change the filibuster. And I have some other articles that I'll bring up on that next time. Excuse me. As the only congressional leader not from New York or California, I put Kentucky's priorities front and center. If Yarmouth had his way, Speaker Pelosi would have a free pass to leave middle America out in the cold. You don't have to believe me. When Republicans had majorities in Congress and the White House, the Senate Democratic leader defended the legislative filibuster. His number two said eliminating the filibuster for legislation would be the end of the Senate as it was originally devised. All this was just a few years ago. Not only was this all just a few years ago, uh, you can look it up and you can find it. While they were in the minority... There is uh, audio of not only President Barack Obama, who at that time was a senator, but Vice President, uh, and I believe at that time, uh, Senator Joe Biden, both staunchly standing up and defending the uh, filibuster. Why? Because at that time, that was their seat at the table. That is why it's so important, and that's why... Uh, they have come to now talk about the nuclear option is because at times the nuclear option is the only way to get around that filibuster. And so if it comes down to it, they will use that filibuster. Like I said, both have done it. Harry Reid did it in 2013. Mitch McConnell did it in 2017. It's been done before. It will be done again. The only difference is. Is that. Democrats are now talking about trying to completely eradicate Rule 22, which would ultimately get rid of the filibuster altogether. That's the history of the filibuster. Like I said, I will get further into it on the next episode. I just basically wanted to do the history of it, give you the background for it so that you understand better what exactly the filibuster is, basically what the nuclear option is. So basically, just to give you a sum... The filibuster, as I said, is a process that is used to stop a vote in Senate that is done by any that is done by any means, whether it be that there has to be the sixty major, the supermajority vote of sixty for it to pass, or someone standing up and uh, basically speaking on the floor. So that is the filibuster. And then basically you can say it breaks down. Like I said, you can, it's either that there has to be the 60 majority vote or the person that is basically filibustering, that is standing up and he is speaking. 
which I believe right now the longest one to date is uh, Senator Rand Paul, who I believe tw spoke for, I believe it was 13 hours. Uh, and he was talking about uh, the Obama administration and their use of drones. I know Ted Cruz has had a long one where he read Green Eggs and Ham. And that's another thing about it is that they don't have to get up there and they don't have to talk about that exactly. They can get up there and they can read the Bible. They can get up there. They can read Green Eggs and Ham. They can get up there and they can talk about anything. They are literally holding the floor. They are – the filibuster is used to stop a vote from taking place. But if they do that once he steps down, once he is no longer there, once he steps down from the podium, they can basically call for cloture and then end it and make a vote there. So if they go back to the talking uh, filibuster, that's exactly what that is. That's what that's talking about. So it is basically the rule that was stated that was put in place in 1806 that took place of the previous question motion. Previous question motion is still in place in the House, but the filibuster took its place in 1806 for the Senate. So basically, there's that, and then there is the nuclear option, which is where the chair will basically – basically, it is where Senate is uh, challenging the chair of the Senate, which is normally the majority leader, and they are changing the president – are they are changing how the law is applied to a certain situation. They are not changing the law. They are changing how the president is applied to a certain situation. And they do that by basically challenging the chair on whether what he just said is true or not. So they basically are voting to break or to change the president of how the law for the Senate is applied. That is the history of it. That is the best that I can do. I will do a bit more uh, research. Uh, like I said, I will let y'all know about uh, Ray Harris Jr. One other thing that I want to put out there, remember, I have the email, theamericanidiotp at yahoo.com. I also now have a TikTok. can't believe I ever said that I just said that. I have a TikTok that is called the AIP Rebel, the capital A, capital I, capital P, Rebel, I've already put some stuff up on there, uh, so you can catch me on there. I will put some stuff on there about each episode probably, but that is it for tonight, guys. I've got to head home. I've got to get some sleep, y'all. Uh, i got my family waiting at home. i got to finish eating. I'm sorry about eating in the middle of this, guys. If you heard me chomping, if you heard me drinking, sorry. Like I said, I'm a fat idiot, and i got to eat. This is the American Idiot. And y'all have a good night.